0: Who wants to live in New York? Who wants the worry, the noise, the dirt, the heat? Who wants the garbage cans clanging in the street? Who wants to live in New York? The cops, the cabbies, the sales girls up at Saks. You gotta have a real taste for maniacs. in the trees high above the briars live alone and like it i do whatever i please when my heart desires
1: free to hang around or fly at any old time to call the Welcome to This Week on Broadway for October 23rd, 2022. My name is Matt Taminini. On the broadcast today, I am joined by Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter Felicia is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His latest, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter also has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, Encore Monthly, and many other places. Happy Sunday, Peter. Good day. Michael Portantier is a theater reviewer and essayist. He is the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Michael, how are you? Well... Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That was a, a very pleasant response. Um, we are joined now by award-winning nightclub and concert artist Jeff Harner, who is graciously returning to Broadway radio. His new album from PS Classics is I Know Things Now, My Life in Sondheim's Words. It originally premiered as a concert over the summer in June and then had a return engagement in September. It is music directed by John Weber and is available now in lots of places. We will have a link in the show notes if you would like to purchase it. Jeff, I do wonder, I mean, for so many of us, Sondheim is such an integral part of our musical theater upbringing. Do you remember the first time you ever heard a Sondheim song? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, a Sondheim, Sondheim, Sondheim words and music <laughs> um, is different than when I could because certainly sure. West Side Story and Gypsy were, mm. were two of the very first that I ever heard. But Sondheim, Sondheim, it was Company, uh, was the first. Uh, I went to high school with Liz and Anne Hampton Calloway, uh-huh. and their parents took them to see Company, and Liz brought back the album, and uh, that was That's when my
2: brain exploded (laughs) it's amazing how many people tell me the company was their um gateway um i hate to say drug but nevertheless uh, was their introduction that's the word i'm looking for with their introduction i've heard so many stories uh where company did it so i'm not surprised to hear that
3: in my case it was the the tv you know the documentary of the recording the original cast recording session
2: you mean you saw that before you actually heard the original cast album i
3: that's my memory yes wow um that is that is my memory i could be wrong uh did you see that back in the day jeff when it first aired not
0: no not back in the day and i'm so glad i didn't because really we hearing the album company it in my mind exploded because i already was in love with new york city at that time i wasn't living there i was living in chicago uh but i knew i wanted to live in new york and the picture of New York that that album conjured for me was so dark and gritty and angry and (laughs) um, scary. And if I'd seen that documentary, (laughs) I don't think I ever would have come to New York. (laughs) That documentary was intense. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Nevertheless, uh, the first time I ran into you um, in terms of recordings, was that wonderful 1959 recording uh, where you did shows from that era and um, you made it sound so exciting your patter was so good in terms of making it sound people are coming out of the theaters and there's the traffic and all the. it was just so exciting to hear that so in addition to being a wonderful singer you also did terrific patter did you write your own
0: well, I on that particular show, the 1959 Broadway songbook, I work hand in hand with director Sarah Louise Lazarus and music uh, yeah. director Alex Ryback. And there is yeah. an, an idea that didn't conjure because of all three of us being in the room together. So I can't even tell you where one them uh-huh. began and another, but Sarah definitely was the editor in chief uh-huh. for, um, you know, getting that. that, that was a wonderful, we tried to ask, we asked the audience to imagine that the year was 1959 and we, we did the act as if it was, uh, a, ca- uh, a musical with an act one with an overture and then right. what you're referring to is our intermission where we step outside the theater and mm-hmm. hear some snippets of songs on passing car radios and it's just a way <laughs> to work in some of the 50s pop, 1950s
2: mm-hmm. pop songs. She is funny because when I hear when I walk down the street and cars have open windows <laughs> with music, they're never from 1959
0: musicals. <laughs> never. Well, <None> we <laughs> no, and last night it was a particularly awful one. It was a, I heard something just so heart-thumpingly really loud. Um, anyway, yes, uh, yes, it was a simpler time in 1959. You were more <laughs> likely to hear something memorable on the radio. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Jeff, the, this album has so many different reinterpretations of Sondheim's songs, songs that we all know so well and are so ingrained in us as theater fans. As you start to approach this, the the I guess the subtitle of this album is My Life and Sondheim's Words, and you say that these are his words, but it's your life. When you look at these songs, we know them from the context of the shows. How do you approach kind of taking them out of the world of whatever musical they're from and conveying the story of your own personal experiences through those songs.
0: Well, it starts with the lyrics and he, you know, he, he just came out uh, Stephen Sondheim with that, you know, box set, the wonderful uh, look, I made a hat, uh, putting it together, you know, that box set is the complete lyrics is definitive lyrics. He's even changed some lyrics in that book from how they were recorded and i just read them i read them and looked for my my story in his words and because i made the choice to be truthful and authentic about my sexuality there were songs written for women uh, that that are perfectly believable coming out of my mouth because they're about the men that they love or that uh, they no longer love mm-hmm. and uh, that's where i started was with the lyric and in doing that it did uh, it did kind of reframe those songs from how people may have heard them in their context within a Broadway musical. Uh, and that to me is the joy. The joy is if I can make somebody hear the lyric in a different way, um, than they've ever heard it before, because I'm telling my truth. Um, and of course the, the supreme joy is that Stephen Sondheim gave us that language. It's just, uh, I am ruined for other lyricists because (laughs) of the specificity and depth and humor and, you know, the rainbow that he has in his language. It's I'm just so grateful to have lived in the time that he was turning out this work. It's really, we're so fortunate.
2: Did you ever meet him? I did. He came to see, (laughs) to see
0: Uh, I did a show with KT Sullivan in 2015 uh, which was the first iteration of my trying to be my authentic self using only his words on stage. No pattern. This time, no pattern. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. because what could I possibly say mm-hmm. that's going to be any more enlightening than just letting him do the, mm-hmm. the talking? So he did come to see that. And he was very kind. And uh, we remained um, email pen pals for the next uh, hour seven more years of his life. Uh-huh. He was uh-huh. Very supportive. Very, he was very aware of this album. He very much wanted to hear the rough mixes. Um, you know, he he was just uh, as as we have seen in that outpouring of of people sharing the letters that he wrote. He was uh, really truly spent part of every day nurturing um uh, the people uh, younger artists I call myself younger i'm 63
2: but i guess <laughs> i'm, I'm younger a day than right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm always curious to know uh if there's a song that almost made the album you just couldn't fit it on it for one reason or another it didn't make it but what broke your heart that you couldn't include on this album
0: well uh, i uh, there are uh, i can give you a very short list another 100 people was uh one that just um, it speaks to me very profoundly about uh, the terror of being in New York. I've seen people perform it with huge joy. But to me, that song is really about the the uh, overwhelming uh, stimuli of just just stepping out the door in the morning. Um, Nothing's going to harm you was also um in in another iteration of the show, we also had a lot of fun with an arrangement of "What More Do I Need," uh, where John Weber is playing every other New York "I Love New York" song underneath uh, <laughs> my my "What More" because that, that is sort of Sondheim's uh, New York, New York song. It's uh, um, I, those are three of the ones that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the reason that they're so fresh in my mind is because we are hopefully in a conversation uh, to. Do a theatrical um, engagement of the show in an off-Broadway theater, you know, you know, pending Sondheim's lawyers' approval, and the show will—I'll get to put those numbers back in. Mm-hmm.
1: Breaking Stop. news! I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really a long shot because I, I you know, there's—it's a grand rights issue, and and they they're, you know we've got Sweeney Todd opening, we've got Mary mm-hmm. Long opening. Yeah. They're very mindful about how much Sondheim is actually in the city at one time, but this would be in a very small theater for a very limited engagement. And I hope that that's my prayer for 2023 is that I get that opportunity.
2: Well, Michael asked if indeed uh, what was your first uh, Sondheim song song? um, And what was the first one you actually saw that he wrote both of? (laughs) Not, Not West Side Story, not Gypsy, but on Broadway. What was the first one you ever saw? Sweeney Todd oh boy not a bad start
0: that's (laughs) that was my trip to audition for NYU and I just couldn't wait because I loved horror films growing up and the idea of that subject being a musical and boy that original Broadway production did not disappoint that was Mm -hmm. you know I, I have I haven't seen a theatricality like that I mean Wicked kind of does it with a lot of bells and whistles going on but that set that original factory set and the gravediggers as you came into the theater you know <laughs> going down on the elevator with the mound of dirt growing I mean that was and
2: the the factory whistle you yeah
1: know, you the, know
2: that's just that set takes a lot of heat um a lot of people really um don't like it but I thought it was terrific and I'm glad to hear that you did too
0: well, well I, I I was just immersed in that
3: yeah and you know in retrospect we uh you know, it's hard to recall what a sensation that show made when it opened and how, uh, I mean, we've become so used to Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah. You know, it's that show about mm-hmm. a guy who kills people and, and then they bake them in, into pies, <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I recently looked back at an interview with Angela Lansbury that I did some years ago, and she said it really took a while like during previews, they didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it really took people a while to understand, you know, what the show is. And she said, especially because in the in the beginning, that blood was tending to sp- splatter on people in the front rows. Oh, my. So they had to kind of fix that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, those people still have those stained shirts. They're not giving them up at all. No, no, For no, him. they
3: <laughs> are not. <Right. laughs> and Jeff's. Soon you're turning to uh, another great musical theater writer, Cy Coleman. Uh, really excited about that. Maybe you can talk about him.
0: I, I I just adore Cy Coleman. And again, you know, it's one of the things I love about New York City. So my first Cy Coleman exposure was when my parents gave me the cast album, of sweet charity. When I was seven, I don't uh. know. I, they, they, they probably thought it was some, you know, something very charming and hopeful yeah, <laughs> with the name it's, it's sweet, sweet Charity. Yeah, yeah, right. But you know, it's kind of an, a, a sophisticated score to give to a seven-year-old, and I loved it. Um, and again, you know, we we saloon singers here in New York. I got to meet him. He came. He came to my shows and uh, was incredibly supportive and kind. Uh, it really is a remarkable. A remarkable thing to think of growing up and dreaming of coming to New York City and then to get the opportunity to sing for Burton Lane and Condon and Green mm. and Jerry Herman. And, you know, just uh, and Sondheim really was the one that was heart stopping. Um, as kind as he was. But yes, the, the Cy Coleman show, we are, you know, tapping into the six decades that he uh he wrote music, and I've got wonderful Alex Rybeck and Sarah Louise Lazarus with me, and wonderful Jay Lenhart, the, the, the singing bass player who uh, we're going to use. I call my, my, my band the Rhythm of Life Quartet,
2: ah. um,
0: and uh, we have a lot of fun with that song in particular.
3: And it's uh, Monday the
0: seventh. Is that right of November? Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. It is. It's, <laughs> that, that's, that's a, it's Monday, November seventh at seven o'clock at Birdland in that beautiful, you know, upstairs um, historic, wonderful supper club setting. I love singing. I love singing in both of their venues. But that that with the tiered seating, and mm. uh, it's it's very exciting to perform on that stage.
3: I got to chuckle about the fact that your title for the show is a collective sigh, because I interviewed him years ago, and the title for my interview was Heavy Uh, Sigh, because heavy is a jazz term. And, you know, he was, you know, so he he, so I gave him a copy and he looked at it and he said, are you trying to say that I've gained weight? (laughs) (laughs) But fortunately, but fortunately, he smiled when he said it. So. I, I, think
2: think, I, to... I, I think you should call it size matters. <laughs> size matters. Just a suggestion. Oh. Just a suggestion. We're not That's we're not
1: touching it. that one, Peter. Well, um, Jeff, <laughs> thank you so much again. We will have a link to where you can purchase the Sondheim album. I know things now, my life and Sondheim's words, and we will include a link to where you can get tickets to the Cy Coleman show coming up at Birdland on November seventh. Thank you for much so much for joining us. Enjoy no, the rest of your you Sunday having... and listen.
0: I'll throw one last one at you, Mike. Yes the great jazz great used to call him Psycho Lemon because <laughs> Cy Coleman you know, is Psycho Lemon so yeah there are all sorts of monikers. thank you all for including me I, I love being on this platform you guys do a great service for all of us um, with this wonderful discourse that you have on, on everything that's happening on the music scene and theater scene so thank you for well, including nice thing me. To say. what do you say old friend Are we, or are we, unique? Time goes
1: by,
0: everything else keeps changing. You and I, we get continued
1: next week.
0: Most friends...
1: All right, again, we want to to thank Jeff for being a part of this week on Broadway. So let's turn our attention now to some reviews. And Michael, you've been talking about this for a while. You took a trip to Washington, D.C. here recently. Let's start with the big one. I know there's a couple things in D.C. that mm. you saw, but let's start with Guys and Dolls. Was it as magical as all of the reviews made it out to be?
3: I really loved it. I thought they did a wonderful, wonderful job with it. And, uh, and not just in comparison with the last Broadway revival, which was a disaster, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, although that I suppose that made this one look and sound even better. Uh, But it really was a very solid production uh, in the encores mode. Um, I think the uh, it's called Broadway Center Stage Mm -hmm. is the name of the series at the Kennedy Center, where they do these concert, quote unquote, concert productions of shows. But like encores, Mm -hmm. uh, they have gotten more and more fully staged and now they no longer also have the, uh, the, uh, the cast with scripts in their hands, which they used to, but the, uh, I guess they've added maybe some, a little bit of rehearsal time and the contracts have been changed. So now the cast no longer uses scripts. Um, And so it's really mostly a concert in the sense that the orchestra is, is on stage. Uh, And, that that always adds a level of excitement, I think, um, to these shows. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that they keep that. Uh, and there but, you know, there were lots of uh, there, there weren't there weren't many actual set pieces, but there were some there were enough, you know, when necessary. And that's not a set heavy show anyway. Plus, they had some really great projections. Uh, so it was it was a, a very well done, directed by Mark Bruni and. A choreographed by Dennis Jones, um, the cast was very strong. Uh, James Monroe Eagleheart as Nathan Detroit and uh, Jesse Mueller as Adelaide Philip, and then the husband and wife team, uh, the recent the new new husband and wife team of Philippa Sue and Stephen Pasquale as Sarah Brown and Sky Masterson. Uh, I, I would say they were all excellent. Um, Jessie was a more subtle Adelaide than some of the others that I have seen.
2: Oh, and I, I might have enjoyed her very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: I, and I think it worked very well. I think she decided, well, I'm not going to play it you know like Mm -hmm. really really broadly as as so many others have and and that's entirely valid to play it that way but uh i she thought she would do something different and i really liked it a lot um i think stephen pasquale was maybe the standout just because first of all he was probably the the best sung sky masterson ever Mm -hmm. that i've heard uh patrick wilson uh did a wonderful job with it at that carnegie hall uh concert some years ago. But I, um, Stephen has a, a more of a baritonal quality to his voice that I thought maybe fit a little bit better. Uh, and uh, he also managed to get several laughs, which is not, you know, we don't really think of that yeah. character as getting, getting you know, getting laughs. Um, and so that kind of smoothed out the uh, sometimes in some productions of Guys and Dolls was can almost like Nathan and Adelaide uh, and some of the other characters are in a different play than Sky and Sarah Mm -hmm. because uh, because of the way the material is written. But uh, in this one, I really didn't get that feeling at all. Uh, uh, Kevin Chamberlain was fantastic as Nicely, Nicely Johnson. And uh, Rachel Dratch was Big Julie, which I don't think it completely worked, but the audience Uh loved it. You know, Uh the audience absolutely loved it. Um, But Michael. Yes
2: how was harry the horse i, I was waiting oh. to ask peter i had it
1: ready yes i want to know
3: he was very good it was jimmy Smagula, uh which uh-huh. which i'm sure we've all who who i'm sure we've all seen in several shows we got to speak with him afterwards and i told him you know that i had just played the role and and he was very uh very interested in that and very nice about it um he uh i would say he he patterned his uh, performance, um, it seemed to me, maybe on Sheldon Leonard in the movie. Uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, um, again, again, more subtle, uh, not not really broad. And also but uh, he also reminded me very, very much. And I mean this as a great compliment of uh, Louis J. Statlin. You know who, when you think about it, would be great in that part as well. So I, I I thought he was terrific. Interestingly, I won't, I won't get into this yet. Maybe at some future date. When we did the show uh, a month ago on Staten Island, I may have mentioned there were several misprints in the script, uh, uh, and you know, both in the text of the show and the lyrics, and we caught them. But believe it or not, at least two mistakes uh, worked. Their way into the Kennedy Center production uh, because the people involved didn't catch them. Uh, so I am in the midst of trying to contact Music Theatre International to uh, make it clear to them that they, you know, that they should take more care uh, in, you know, in their materials they provide for this classic musical, uh, rather than having these errors uh, perpetuated. And we'll see if they uh, if they take heed of that because isn't that quite incredible
1: well you have to tell us what the errors are now michael you can't leave us <sighs> in suspense
3: I, they're just uh, I, I'm, they're a little too uh, can we hold it I, i'll, I'll <laughs> let me let, let me um see if they if they respond and then i will and then i will okay. but it's Fair just enough. misprints that 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 ruin two of the jokes mm. believe it or not uh so uh i'll, I'll more on that later anyway uh the, this production of guys and dolls was only a two week run uh, but it was terrific I, I don't I don't know if there's any chance of uh, of it moving uh Basu is now involved in the uh, I guess the workshops quote unquote for the new uh rewritten version of Camelot that Lincoln Center Theater is going to uh, be doing and she is Guinevere in that so I I, I so I imagine that she would not be in it uh, if they do move. But I, anyway, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that I saw it and, uh, and the audience really, really loved it. And my other show in D.C. was just briefly was A Trip to Bountiful or The Trip to Bountiful. I always get it wrong. <laughs> the Trip to Bountiful um, by Horton Foote at Ford's Theater. And I went to that primarily because uh, it starred a, a really great D.C. actress Nancy Robinette, who has done a couple, only a couple of shows here. She was in. um, uh, Well, she was recently in uh, Prayer for the French Republic and uh, I can't think of the title of the show, Oh, the, the 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 curious incident of the uh-huh. dog and the night. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh she for whatever reason she she's never really broken through here in New York, but she is a mainstay of, of DC theater. And she did not disappoint. She was really great. And it was a beautiful, lovely production in, in of a show that when you think about it is uh, the kind of show that that would work really well at Ford's Theater, uh, which is a kind of an intimate uh, old style space. Uh, so I had a great two show, uh, weekend in, in DC Wonderful. and I really was glad that I went.
1: Absolutely. Uh, let's take it back to New York city and, and both Peter and Michael, you s- uh, recently saw, I believe Reed Bernie and Chester Bailey at Irish rep. Um, Peter, why don't you tell us your thoughts on this one?
2: Uh, yes, well, uh, Ephraim Bailey is, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ephraim Bernie. Uh, maybe, you know, Ephraim uh, Bailey really is um, accurate in a strange way because boy, does he take over this character. Mm. However, However, uh, let's tell people in advance, uh, this ain't no happy show. Um, it's, it's a show about a guy who, whose parents are very upset that the war, World War II is raging, and uh, they're very concerned about his going overseas and um, getting killed. Um, an argument could be made that by his not going overseas and not getting killed, that his life was even more difficult. I'm not going to be too specific about that. But what I will say is the play is about the indomitability of the human spirit. And the fact is that the terrible things that happened to this guy, and I mean terrible, and I mean terrible, terrible. Um, he's in denial about them, but in a strange positive way. He. He he looks at the situation in the best possible way he can. And I think that's really what the play is about. Now, meanwhile, um, Reed Bernie, literally Ephraim's father. Yes, it's a father son show in terms of um, reality, um, even though they're not father and son here, uh, plays a, a doctor who is um, assigned to the case. and. Um, has a lot of issues about whether or not he should really continue to say, look, face the reality um, because the guy seems happier not facing the reality. Uh, Reed Burney really is doing uh, something nice for his son because (laughs) Reed's part is not showy, not at all. But boy, is Ephraim's part showy. My, terrific. A wonderful performance, a difficult role, wonderfully conquered. But when you go into that theater, Prepared to be really jostled, prepared to really cringe at moments at what you hear of what happens to Chester Bailey. Mm.
1: Michael, you saw it as well. Do you have anything to add to that?
3: Yeah, I would say, at the risk of overstating it, I think, uh, oh, by the way, uh, I, I know him slightly, and he, oh, he's, do you? I asked him, and his the preferred pronunciation is Ephraim. Oh, good to know. Although he said, you know, he obviously lots of people say it the other way and he doesn't mind, Uh, but I think he's going to be one of our great actors. Uh, He just absolutely inhabited this role. And the audience uh, was hanging on every word. That was the impression I got. The as Peter mentioned you know, the, the elements of the story are very gripping anyway, and, and sometimes extremely hard to take, but he was with us. Uh, we were with him. Uh, yeah. Well, both uh, yeah. throughout, throughout. And, um, and yes, I agree also what you said about the, the other role not being as showy. I also thought um, the, the, Oddly enough, this reminded me of Equus a little bit in the sense that you have you have well, in the sense that you have a doctor, you know, treating someone with a with a severe situation, but also that uh, there's so much time spent on the personal life of the doctor. Um, And I didn't really know what that had to do with the rest of it in this case. Did you what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, isn't it interesting that I've already forgotten about that so that you <laughs> okay well take, I know what you I remember what what you're talking about now that you mentioned it yes mm. indeed um yes he has problems of his own though they of course pale in comparison to what um right um, yeah Chester is going through but
3: yeah um, I mean it's it just it generally it involves um uh, his relationship with his wife uh, I won't I won't say any more on that but I, but it 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 did pale. Uh, mm-hmm. in comparison mm-hmm. with, with what else is mm-hmm. happening with the with mm-hmm. this young man. Uh, so, yeah, I I really, really ir- would urge you to see this play uh, uh, um, by Joseph D'Arty directed by Ron Lagomarsino at the Irish Rep. And oh, and by the way, with a beautiful set uh, mm-hmm. by John Lee Beatty that is meant in part to invoke the old Penn Station, mm-hmm. uh, because that Uh, figures prominently very prominently in the plot Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. uh
3: so yeah put this really put this one on your list i I have not checked the closing date
1: yeah november it was just extended through november 20th oh Oh, thank you
2: extended how nice that's that's great great. yeah yeah Yeah. Uh.
3: i really think unless something goes wrong i think you were going to hear (laughs) a lot more uh from e from bernie wonderful
1: well, um, Peter, you had a an interesting uh, grouping of shows that you wanted to run through fairly quickly in short order here. Um, why don't you start with one that I think people might be a little bit confused about at first when you say that it's a play and not a musical?
2: <laughs> Meaning what? <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. Chica- I love was Chicago. The- no, no. Chicago. So many
1: people think of the musical Chicago and not the play. Sorry, I was trying it's to funny. lead you, and I didn't do a I, very I, good I job. I
2: appreciate. No, no, no. You, you did a fine job. It was just I thought we were uh, talking about the new musicals. Uh, so that's why. Uh, but you're yes, um, at the top of the show, I did tell you I was going to talk about Chicago, the play. Yes, a company called Out of the Box did a production of Chicago, the play. It's gone now. Um, It's closed, I'm sorry to say, because um, I imagine a lot of people will be as curious as I to see what the differences are. And um, it's, it's much closer to the um, movie of Roxy Hart, if you know that movie uh, with Ginger Rogers, which is a terrific film. And um, you you might be surprised to find out if you don't know that movie, that in the play of Chicago, Well Kelly was not a big role. It certainly was expanded to um, in, incorporate um, Cheetah Rivera into the show. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so that's what happened there. But here's what I want to talk about out of the box. Because the show's closed, there's no sense in really, quote unquote, reviewing it. What I want to talk about is this is a group that is dedicated to people who are over 50 years old. So if there's anybody out there who's over 50 and said, gee, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to act, I'd like to work backstage, I'd like to help, you know, so on and so forth. Anything you'd like to do, it's possible that you might find a home in out of the box. So that's what I really want to stress here today, because it's so nice. um, A lot of people feel the time has passed them by, that there's no chance that anybody would pay attention to them, that why bother getting pictures and resumes? I mean, because nobody's going to be intro. What what have you done lately? What have you ever done? Um, Where have you worked? I don't think those are questions that are going to be asked by out of the box. And as a result, that's the message I want to convey today more than anything else. Get over there. Have a good time.
1: Wonderful. Um, but there were some other things that you saw. We'll get to the festival here in a second. Okay, but you sure. saw um, Melissa Etheridge, My Window, A Journey Through Life, uh, playing off Broadway.
2: Right. Now, um, you know, I, I don't know um, Melissa Etheridge from Baked by Melissa. I mean, I if you put a picture of two people in front of me and said, which one is Melissa Etheridge, I wouldn't have known um So uh, I had certainly heard the name, but as somebody who's not into pop music at all, and I have to say that every song she sang was totally new to me. And of course, it wasn't to the audience who adored her. Um, and you know, the type of thing you sing one word of the song and people start applauding. So I mean, uh, I guess this was a greatest hits um, situation. However, I was gripped. I'm telling you, I was really interested in her story because it really seemed um, the show's long. By the way, it's almost three hours. Seriously, (laughs) there is an intermission, but nevertheless, she's on stage. I mean, yeah, she has uh, somebody who assists her, who I believe is her wife. But um, I'm telling you, uh, it's quite an endurance test. And she seems to navigate that tremendously well. But it was the story that gripped me because I'm telling you, we're about halfway through the show. And she hasn't made what anybody would consider a big break. significant progress and you're saying to yourself how did this woman become who she is how mm. did it happen here she is talking about playing little bars and you know little places like that and rituals uh, might as well be street corners i'm telling you and it it, it uh, well as james gandolfini said when he won the uh, emmy for um the sopranos Sometimes it just happens right away. You know, you don't expect sometimes there's God so quickly. Um, it, and it, it happened that way for her, too. And suddenly things were happening. Now, a great deal of the show uh, has to do with her um, her sexuality and the fact that she's a lesbian. And um, that comes up very early. And the audience uh, certainly um, was thrilled to hear her be so frank about all this. And, of course, um, there was much applause from a lot of women in the audience. And, um, and that's great to see so much um, validation coming from the stage and the audience as well. So uh, so she's not shy about that, not at all. And she um, doesn't want to be, and she shouldn't be, of course. That's another story entirely. But nevertheless, she is a terrific performer. And even though uh, it's not my music and never will be, I'm very glad I saw her. I really came That's away great. with great admiration for who she is.
1: That's interesting. I'd heard that it's a very long show, but knowing – I know her music a little bit better than it sounds like you do. Uh, I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of really good music in there. So I I don't think it would necessarily be a horrible thing to sit and watch her perform and then obviously tell her story for that long either. But uh, that's great to hear. That's very encouraging. Um, Speaking of concerts, Michael, you had seen a couple of shows, I believe, both at 54 Below that you wanted to uh, mention as well, of course, leading off with somebody who is. Also, a legend like Melissa Etheridge, although in a different kind of way, uh, the great Marilyn May.
3: Yes, uh, you know, I've seen Marilyn many times at 54 and elsewhere. um, And she has a show coming up at Dizzy's uh, Jazz Club in uh, uh, in December, I think, uh, that I already have tickets for that. But she's just a a wonder. And she did an incredible show. that was devoted, this one was devoted uh, entirely to the lyrics of Johnny Mercer uh, and the many composers with whom he wrote. She doesn't usually do that. Uh, I, I this is the first show I can think of where she's devoted it to one composer or one lyricist. But it was amazing. And, and my God, you forget what he wrote. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he wrote. It's hard to think of a. Sh- Song he didn't write <laughs> lyrics for, <laughs> and some really beautiful ones. Some of my all-time favorite: Skylark, um, mm-hmm. Blues in the Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I, f- I always forget that he wrote one for My Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one more for the road. Uh, But then, you know, on the to peak in the Santa Fe, and uh, there were lots of medleys in this show. There was a dream medley, which uh, dream uh, was the title of the short lived Broadway show Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that featured the lyrics of Johnny Mercer because uh, he wrote a lot of lyrics about dreams. Um, And then there was a revenge medley (laughs) And there was a saloon medley (laughs) and there was an autumn medley and an angels medley. Uh, And so uh, someone else, I didn't do it, but somebody else counted that uh, Marilyn sang all or part of 36 songs in the show, uh, you know, in the medleys and and enabled her to get to more of them. So I think that everyone who went uh, in, in terms of both quality and quantity felt like they had an amazing experience uh she was absolutely at the top of her form with uh the great Ted Firth on the piano and uh um, Tom Hubbard on bass and Mark McLean on drums uh and she uh you know Marilyn is um a lot of these clubs uh they ask for exclusivity uh when you perform there you know especially if you're a you know a, a bigger person uh but I, Nobody seems to do that for Marilyn. And the reason I'm sure that they don't is that she always sells out anyway. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: <laughs> you
3: know, she can do uh, two weeks at at 54 and then, uh, you know, a month later, she can do uh, a week at Birdland and she's going to sell out anyway. Uh, so people don't care. They're just l- delighted to have her. And. Um, So that was her, Uh, you know, I I will continue to go (laughs) see her uh, Mm -hmm. as long as I can. Uh, And then uh, one of the just quickly, one of the things I love about 54, which I mentioned before, is that um, they are a home to big stars like Marilyn May and Patti LuPone and and. Tony Danza and blah, 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 but also to, you know, lesser known people. And I, I saw a really terrific show uh, uh, several weeks ago that I didn't get to talk about, but Taylor Fry uh, did a show there on October 7th. And he, um, you, as I say, you you might not know his name. He was on Broadway in uh, Finian's Rainbow and How to Succeed. Um, also in South Pacific, although I don't see that listed for him on uh, IBDB. So, He should probably let them know about that. (laughs) Um, And uh, he uh, he's got a really interesting story because he was or is a Mormon. uh, And so uh, they they all seem to have very interesting stories when these Mormons, uh, you know, come to New York City (laughs) and uh, go into showbiz uh, because so much of that religion uh, is uh against many things that that would happen you know to enlighten people in a big city uh so he uh, he really talked about that a lot, but in the most charming and interesting way. Uh, um, I have a friend, Roy Sander, who used to uh maybe still does, I'm not sure, Roy's uh, still around, uh, review cabaret. And he always used to say how much he would hate it when people did autobiographical shows in cabaret. Uh, and I said, but what I said, but what if they're really funny? And he said, oh, well then I'll allow it. And that that was the case here. Uh, Taylor was really very charming and he's got a lovely voice and he he did a great show about his journey uh, that that I just described. And also uh, his guest performer was his husband, Kyle Dean Massey. Um, So that was a nice little thing for the the audience. Um, So yeah, 54, if you just, if you go to their website and just look at the, the variety of the people that they have—it's—it's it's really very impressive, um, and uh, you know, I, I would say quite affordable you know, certainly compared to what one needs to pay for a Broadway show nowadays. Yeah. Uh, so check it out. Really, really
1: wonderful. Peter, you recently saw a show. I actually interviewed the playwright Jahay Park recently here on Broadway radio. And this is about Peerless that is playing at 59 East 59th through November 6th. This is a somewhat modern uh, approach to the classic Macbeth story. So what did you think of, of Peerless?
2: Well, years ago, there was a, decades ago, there was a play called *The Bad Seed*, uh, which is about a terrible uh, little girl who uh, would do anything to get what she wanted. Um, this play could be called *The Bad Seeds*. Because we have um, two sisters who um, are very upset that they're uh, they might be shut out of the college of their choice, and uh, well, you know, uh, what are they going to do about it? I mean, if indeed um, somebody got accepted who they know to that college, well, if that person were to suddenly disappear, uh, well, then there'd be at least one opening, you know, and um, maybe there'd be another if you kill somebody else. So, um, so that's what it's about. Um, I didn't much like it from the vantage point that it's one of those plays where at the very beginning of the show, the two women are speaking very, very quickly, very, very scattershot, you know, finishing each other's sentences, but going at a mile a minute, yes, this is mm-hmm. what type of blah, 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 And I'm telling you, you know, it's such an off-putting thing that you really feel defeated at the very beginning, saying, oh, I'm gonna have to concentrate this much. Um, can't they slow down? Why must it be that they have to be this fast? And you know the reason, I mean, the point is the playwright is trying to establish the fact that they can finish each other's sentences, that they're so bonded together. But nevertheless, it's a lot for people to take in, and you know, as they often say, the first ten minutes of a show are just so important because you really have to establish what's going on. You have to make the audience understand what's going on, and here I think they're really at a disadvantage for that. Um, however. That said, the cast is phenomenal, uh, just phenomenal. Um, those two sisters are, are just amazing. But um, really, everybody deserves such credit, especially the kid playing the geeky um, kid who um, gets to know them a little too well. So um, Marie Botha, Anthony Kayson, Sasha Diamond, Benny Wayne Sully, Shannon Gio all wonderful 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 and margot bordelon uh once the the situation calms down does direct very well that's the only floor i can find in it in terms of direction uh, and again that might be the playwright saying this is exactly what i want you know it must be this way you know we never really really know um uh, who's responsible for what but um take it easy um Uh, young women um give us a chance to really catch on to what you're doing because the story itself does get pretty pretty uh involved and pretty engrossing so um but um You know, the old, uh, we were talking about Cy Coleman, it's not where you start, it's where you finish, Um, but it is where you start, you know, and um, it is where you finish. The finish is good. The start is uh, difficult. And from time to time, of course, those two sisters, again, get together to banter at a breakneck speed. So um, to say a mile a minute is not fair. It's got to be at least 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm going to be seeing this show when I'm in town here in a couple weeks, so I will make sure to turn my hearing aid, not that I have one, but I will make sure to pay extra close attention uh, early in the show to make sure that I don't miss anything.
2: Not Um, a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, let's wrap up this section here, Peter. I know you can't technically do reviews of these things, but you recently attended the National Alliance of Musical Theater Festival. I think I got that name right. Um, So what were your thoughts on the festival as a whole and anything that you can say without breaking the unwritten or perhaps even written rule of reviewing these shows still in progress?
2: Well, indeed. Um, I'm, what I'm going to say is I'm not going to review them. No, because that is not what's supposed to happen. But what I will say is that, um, if indeed anybody is intrigued by what some of these shows were and, um, what they sound like saying, Oh, wow, that sounds like a good musical to me. Then by all means, get in touch with the um, National Alliance of Musical Theater and, um, and say, I'm, I'm interested in knowing more about these shows. So. There was a show called Blackout, and Blackout was about that um, blackout we had in, I think it was 2003 or four. It happened here, but these uh, are people from Toronto, and they took it from what happened in Toronto. So there are stories about people who are coping during the darkness. And what, what's really nice is, of course, because the blackout happened early in the day, um, people could somewhat prepare for it, but the point is some people were just enjoying the light that they had until they didn't have it anymore. And um, so you get a lot of personal relationships here. Um, And so if this sounds of interest, by all means, get in touch. The female Pope. Yes, indeed. Once upon a time there was um, Joan who um, fooled them all. And, um, (laughs) you know, a lot of people say this really wasn't the case, but a lot of people say, oh, no, 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 she was a woman. So if you're interested in uh, a woman coming out of nowhere to become his holiness so to speak um then indeed uh get in touch with these people king of pangea yes indeed uh this was uh, a fantasy and uh this is about a a kid who um (laughs) his bedtime stories uh came alive for him and um he thought of himself as the king of this um this uh imaginary place and uh, he has reason to believe why these things happened so that's good there was another one with a complicated title um <laughs> so complicated i can't even find it online but um this was about um essentially a music it, it wasn't a musical version of radium girls uh um a, a- show that's been very popular in community theater um no but it is about that incident about the people uh the the women who used to have to work in these factories and uh, they used to have to paint uh the numbers on watches one two three etc and uh what they would do is they had to have a very fine point on the brush so they used to lick the um radium and um Uh. and then uh, uh, doing the numbers and at first when they got the job they were thrilled oh what a great job you know i sit down all day you know i uh, it's it's fun to do the and little by little you know they um especially when clumps of hair start coming out uh no um so anyway that's the best i can do in terms of telling you what they were about um and um by all means if any interest you uh get in touch if you're a producer uh, and at least check them out.
1: That is a great service that did not include any actual reviews. So I appreciate Mm-mm. that, Peter. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's um, r- start wrapping up the show here. Peter, why don't you remind everybody what last week's trivia question was and tell them the answer.
2: Uh, this one, you know, this one really um, surprised me because I really did think that um, a lot of people – wouldn't get it but you know our people are just so smart because uh, this was really in a, in essence a trick question but anyway here we go what does roger debris have in common with the actress who played the lead in a 2002 musical revival the fourth revival that this musical experienced on broadway the musical in question is man of la mancha the actress is mary elizabeth master antonio and Roger Debris' middle name is also Elizabeth.
1: <laughs> well done.
2: So <laughs> Rob Johnson was first, followed by Paul Witty, Julia Green, Josh Israel, Brigadoon, and Sean Logan. Well, and Tony Janicki then answered and was humiliated into seventh place. Okay, this week's question. <laughs> when Faye Dunaway agreed to join the 1964 Repertory Theater of Lincoln Center revival of The Changeling, she was in fact agreeing with one of the performers in a certain impresario's follies, explain.
1: I, I I know what all of those words mean. I don't necessarily know <laughs> what the rest of it means, so I will uh, defer to the much wiser uh, listeners to come up with that. Of course, if you know the answer, you can email trivia at radio dot com. All right, Michael. I feel like I have an idea as to where you are leaning with this week's musical moments, but let us know what folks have already heard at the opening and what they'll hear here at the close of the show.
3: Well, the opener was hopefully uh, the appropriate opening doors uh, into Live Alone and Like It from Jeff Harnar's wonderful Sondheim album. Uh, and that's an example of how he uh, and his musical director just very, very cleverly put together uh, these really interesting and clever meldings of different Sondheim songs to create um, uh you know, really new, new animals in a way uh, and make us hear the I think they, they make us hear the lyrics in a new way, uh, which is a great, great compliment. And our closer um, is uh, Old Friends uh, into It's a Hit, both songs primarily we roll along uh so these two uh you know i think will give you a, a very good idea of what the album is like and uh that you will enjoy it a lot if you get to hear it we will
1: have both of those and again we will have a link to where you can get i know things now my life and sondheim's words in the show notes if you want to check out the full album and i highly recommend that you do All right, everybody, that is all that we have for you this week. Thank you, of course, for listening. If you are hearing this in the regular feed, don't forget that you can support us at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, and every week our Patreon listeners have the opportunity to listen live to This Week on Broadway as it is recorded on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information, please head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful week and we will talk to you next Sunday. Bye. Bye. The <laughs> ones are quickly
0: made And in a pinch, sure, they'll do But us, old friend What's to discuss, old friend Here's to us, who's like us <laughs> Damn! We got company! So Old friend, fill me in slow Old friend, start from hello Old friend, I want the when, where and how Old friends do tend to become old habits Never knew how much I missed you till now Hey, old friend, how do we stay, old friends? Who is to say, old friend, how an old friendship survives? One day chums having a laugh a minute. One day comes and they're a part of your lives. We're still good friends. Nothing can kill good friends Where there's a will Good friends don't need success to survive And thus, old friend What's to discuss, old friend? We've got a surefire, genuine walkaway Blockbuster, line down to Broadway Buffalo, sensational box office Lollapalooza, gargantuan news Friends Pour through the revolving door Maybe there's one that's more If you find one, that'll do But us, old friend What's to discuss, old friend? Here's to us Who's like us?
2: few